today. We are going to finish up our message series today. We've been talking about this everyday kind of life of following Jesus, this pattern, this daily, some of the daily routines of what it means to be God's people together. And we've looked at a variety of things. And today we want to talk about encouraging one another, what it means to encourage each other. It is a daily life. I, a former pastor and professor by the name of Eugene Peterson, if you've ever read uh, the message, uh, paraphrase translation of the Bible, you recognize that name. And But before that, G, uh, Eugene Peterson had written a book um, called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Definitely not the most exciting book title uh, ever out there, but it was a great book because it it just the, the the title alone describes this kind of sense of what it means to follow Jesus. It's long steps in the, moving in the same direction. It would be a bit like if we went on a road trip and we say, hey, let's go to the Grand Canyon. And, and we load up the car. We got the snacks. We got all the stuff. We jump in the car and we and we take out. We would say, hey, I'm heading out. That event of saying I'm going on a road trip. It's like the event of salvation. That moment you believed in Jesus to forgive your sin and justify you before God, that was an event. But following Jesus is not simply an event, it's a lifelong process. And so you're on your road trip, you, 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 you continue for hours, about a dozen of them in the same direction and, and, and not getting detoured and not stalling off to the side of the road. Well, I think that's a good picture of the Christian life. And unfortunately, because we're human, we, we may find ourselves doing you know a detour or or we get distracted or we're stalled out or we're we're stuck on the side of the road somewhere when in fact we're meant to have obedience a long obedience in the same direction a, a daily life of following Jesus remember what Jesus said the first verse we looked at in the series Luke 9:23 Jesus said if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross daily and follow me so today's passages that we're going to look at in Hebrews chapter 3 is, is a warning more than anything against missing out on what God has for us. But it's a matter of paying attention daily. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to find Hebrews chapter 3. You're pretty close to the end of your Bible. If you go to the back and just go a few books back, you'll find Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 6. Now, because we're back indoors and we're on nice hard surface and our chairs aren't going to kind of rock in the grass, uh, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. If you're at home uh, watching us on YouTube and you're able to, I invite you to do the same thing out of respect for God's word. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word if you're able. Hebrews chapter 3, picking up at verse 6, he says this, But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. Uh, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. We'll talk about that in a minute. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath and they will never enter my place of rest. So, verse 12, be careful then, brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, while it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. 
For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, again, repeating that same quote from uh, Psalm 95 that I already mentioned. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Let's be seated. We thank the Lord for his word. All right, we're in this warning business, but I want to ask first, like this book we call the Bible, this matters to us. We take this as authoritative. We we trust it as the inspired word of God. Why? Why does it matter? Why do we trust this so much? Why do we depend on this? Why can't we just do what we want? Why can't we just adapt it to fit with what's going on around us? I mean, it's pretty old. So surely we should have a better sense by now of, of, of how to manage without this. Well, we take this because it is God's word to us and God has not changed and his word doesn't change and his instructions don't change. And, and Jesus isn't an advisor. Jesus isn't like there to make suggestions if you're kind of willing to listen. He's in charge. He is the Lord and leader of your life if you've put your tra- faith and trust in him. And so... This, this is, uh, you know, it's saying that, that Jesus is in charge. He's the head of the house. Verse 6, Christ, as the Son, right, is in charge of God's entire house. And get this, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Jesus is in charge. And so we listen to his word. It's a, you know, it's a bit like a parent and child relationship um, those of you who ever raised teenagers, or maybe those of you who are, um, you know, you, you remember, or those of us who were, uh, you remember that like 13, 14, 15, where you suddenly think you're in charge of the house. Remember that? You can't tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing. It's my life. You know, all the slamming doors and all that stuff that every, if you think you're the only one that's been through that, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. We've all been there. Trust me. Um, it's just how it, you know, it's kind of the way it is. And the child kind of thinks, I'm in charge. This is my life. And they don't realize, no, <laughs> no, no, mom, the parent, mom or dad still set how this goes in this house. The parent defines what it means to belong there because they're the owner. They're in charge of that house and family. And so it's the same way with God's word. Now it's, it's popular right now, common right now to sort of modify God's word to fit our preferences. And, and I, let me get into one that's a little bit touchy because I think it's important. And I want to say this with kindness and grace as much as I can. But, you know, this past week or week before last, the Pope, the head of the Catholic Church, came out uh, in support of same-sex unions. Now, maybe you think, finally, that's about time. That's a good idea. That's, you know, this is 2020. We're, we're not in the dark ages. Like, let's get with the times. Uh, maybe a friend or a loved one or or you, you think this is perfect, right? You're sold on. I'm going to have to break it to you that, that Jesus does not actually endorse that kind of relationship, a same-sex relationship, even when the government does. Now, if same-sex attraction is your reality, uh, or, or, you know, that's that of a loved one or family member, listen, you've got to take that up with Jesus. 
because he's the one that dresses it. And God is full of mercy and grace, and he will lead you through a way to deal with that in a godly way. But we can't just change the word of God for convenience because it fits better with culture. It doesn't change. So sometimes this gets kind of painful and certainly very personal and touchy, especially when we we're, you know, we see, for example, a loved one reject God's word or stop listening to, to God. And verse 8 says it's a hardening of the heart that takes place. Now listen, we won't always believe scripture right away because we're human. We struggle with that. And we won't always trust what the Spirit prompts us to do in a situation. But if we're going to keep a soft heart, and I know you want a soft heart, then we must listen and we must obey. It's always a choice. So to say someone has a tender heart, you know, is usually a compliment. We might even say someone's, oh, you know, he's such a softy. And it's a little bit teasing, but it's still a compliment. And if someone is is hard-hearted, like we, we would say that person's got a heart of stone. That's not a compliment, right? So we want to have a soft heart. But the texture of your heart, soft or hard, is actually something we can control. Think about this. You can control the texture of your heart, soft or hard. You've met a hardened person. You've met a soft person. Those are series of choices that lead us to that. And so if you're taking notes this morning, you, you could write this one down. The texture of my heart is up to me. The texture of my heart is up to me. And listen, for some it's easier. If you've been through a lot of wounds, rejection, abuse, betrayal, your tendency is for your heart to get harder and harder and harder. Why? Because it's harder and harder and harder for you to trust that God is good for all the bad that's happened to you. And you say, I don't... I'm." You know, and so you become, you put these layers around your heart. It calcifies, it gets thicker and thicker because you don't want to get hurt again. I get that, I understand. But, but you, you have to keep coming back and say, God, I want to have a heart that's soft. And one friend puts it this way, he says, the, the goal is to have a thick skin and a soft heart, not thin skin and a hard heart. I've always liked that. Verses 7 and 8 says this. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. He says again in verse 13, you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. The texture of my heart is up to me. How I respond to God. A hard heart is a product of unbelief, intentional or unintentional, but unbelief and ignoring God's voice. And so the writer here is referring to Israel's Desert wanderings. Let me explain that to you. So you've got this nation of Israel. Actually, it starts just as a family. Uh, the dad's name is Jacob, or his name gets changed to Israel. And Israel is about 70 of them. Because of a famine that's happening and, and the need for food, they relocate, they emigrate to Egypt and, and settle in Egypt from what today would be Israel. So they're in Egypt, and as they're in Egypt, they're flourishing, and they grow as a nation. At one point, after some generations uh, the Pharaoh says, well, these guys are kind of a threat to our national security and we need to clamp down on them. We kind of enslave them and make them a slave labor force, which is what they do. And so they languish under slavery for many years. In fact, 430 years goes by before God finally responds. God says, I hear their cries. Think about this. Have you ever had to pray for something for 430 years? It's a long time. 
God responds, when the time is right, it had to be the right time. And as they, that God sends a guy named Moses. Moses goes to Israel. He's one of them. But he goes, goes there and he says, I'm going to lead you out. He goes to the Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, no, I don't think so. Ten times this happens. Lots of bad stuff goes on. And then finally, they leave. They leave Egypt as a nation. Probably a couple million of them at this point. And they're leaving. They miraculously get through the Red Sea. They see all these miracles happen. They, they get to Sinai. God gives them the, the law, the instructions, how to worship him. They go through all that stuff. And they wander in the desert. And guess what happens? They complain. They're unhappy. They don't like how things are going. They, they over and over reject God to the point of when God says, I'm ready to take you into your promised land, Israel, where I'm ready to take you into your land. They, they disobey and they're forced to wander for 40 years. That's what he's talking about in there. 40 years of wandering until an entire generation dies off and the next generation gets to start. By the way, every generation has to make that decision to follow Jesus with a fresh start with every generation. And so that's what he's talking about. Their hearts got hardened. So here's my question for us, for you, for me. What is the texture of your heart today? What's the texture of your heart? See, a soft heart listens for God's voice, seeks to respond in obedience. A soft heart cares for others, even while standing firm in the truth, as difficult as that may sometimes be. A soft heart listens to your to your own conscience, like, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you, or, well, you need to make that right over there, right? It seeks to, to, to keep relationships right. So what's the texture of your heart? Be honest with yourself. How is your heart? Is it soft? If it is, keep it that way with a daily ongoing surrender. Maybe he's talking about daily. If your heart has become hard, if be honest with yourself. If you say, I'm kind of hard in my heart right now, then you can humble yourself, repent, ask God to renew your trust in him so that you can begin to hear his voice again and soften your heart. How's your heart? There's a, a key word in this passage we, we came across a few times. I don't want us to miss it. And the word is today. Today. Verses 7 and 15. Today, if you hear his voice. Verse 13. Warn each other every day while it's still today. See, when God speaks, he says we must respond obediently and immediately. Or to put it another way. Obedience has an expiry date. Obedience has an expiry date. I um, I get teased at home, and I get teased here at the office, especially uh, because I have a have a habit of ignoring best before dates. To me, that's a soft suggestion. Like, yes, probably would be ideal, but it's not going bad just because it says you know November first, and uh, I'm like, you know. We, we have, we have a kitchen team here and I'm just, I just feed it to the people. They won't know, but they never let me do that. Just so you know, they never let me do that. I'm like, it just kills me. Like this, there's nothing wrong with it. It's in a sealed package. It's fine. So the same thing at home. My, my kids will be like, dad, have you seen the date on your salad dressing? I'm not, it's, it's fine. It's, I'm the only one that eats that salad dressing. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. Does there look like anything's wrong? Right? Best before dates are one thing. Expiry dates are another. 
Like, I bought some jugs of milk yesterday that said November 18th. And I'm, I'm pretty good with not drinking it after November 18th. Or raw chicken has an expiry date. You don't mess with the expiry dates on that stuff, right? Well, in the same way, God's commands are not just best before dates. They're expires on dates. And it's always today. We have today. You know that we have today. But there's no guarantee for tomorrow. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. All the stuff that's going on around the world, there's crazy storms out east, there's wildfires, there's... We don't know what tomorrow holds. Even the best planning cannot control the outcome of tomorrow and cannot control the uncontrollable. So we have today, so we must respond today. And I wonder when we get to heaven, I wonder if we're, if we're going to get to see all the missed opportunities. I wonder if we'll meet those potential missionaries who didn't go because they, they delayed their obedience. I wonder if we're going to learn about ministries and needy people who didn't get the help they needed because someone was prompted to, to give generously and, and ignored it. I, I wonder if we're going to meet marriages that, that, that could have been saved but weren't because a, a, a husband or a wife was, was not prompting this, listening to the Spirit's prompt to remain faithful in that relationship. I, I, I wonder if we'll meet Many people who could have come to Christ much earlier and been saved much heartache because I, I said nothing when prompted to share the gospel. I mean, we could go on and on. There's all that potential. And I don't say that as a guilt trip. I'm just saying there's things that we miss that God has for us when we don't obey on the due date. Now, this passage makes a profound assumption, which is this, that God actually speaks. Right? He's saying, if you hear the voice of God today, Lots of people, lots of believers would say, well, I never hear God speak. I've never heard God speak to me. And, and I would just say, have you, have you taken the time and the investment to actually listen? Like to, to turn off the TV and to, just to listen for a while. So all we have is today. And if God is speaking to you about something today, act on it today. Don't, don't put it off. Don't miss the expiry date of today. I don't know what God may be speaking to you. It might be a, a relationship to reconcile. It might be forgiveness that needs to be extended to somebody. It might be a financial gift to give. Maybe it's your service in a ministry area or a, or a habit you need to put an end to or you know, a phone call you need to make, a text message you need to send. Maybe it's reallocating. You know, you've given a lot of time and, and energy to, a, to a, a hobby or recreation that really has had no eternal fruit. And, and maybe the Lord's saying, I want you to reallocate some of that for a season. Maybe the Lord's calling you to, to mission work somewhere, to, to serve Him in, a, in even another location. So here's what I want to do. We're just going to pause right here. We're going to take a time out right here. And we're just going to be quiet and just take this to the Lord. Because if the Lord you know, has been speaking something, maybe we've just been too busy to hear if there's something you've been ignoring, I know you know it right now. I know you do. And this is not a guilt trip, but let's just invite the Lord to re- graciously repeat His instruction and, and invite you into that. And if you'll commit to hear and obey and not harden your heart, I believe the Lord will speak. Let's just take a quiet moment before the Lord right now. Jesus, we just want to pause and quiet our hearts and say, we want to hear you speak.
you're sitting with your spouse or significant other and the Lord did say something and you feel courage to say that, you could just lean over and tell them right now. All right, there's a, there's a nugget I want to finish with and it's found in verse 13. Verse 13 says, You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Now, obviously, we're all responsible for our, for our own behavior and, and our own responses to God. But as we said earlier, this world has a way of drawing us away, distracting us, sidelining us, putting us you know, into a detour. And, and that sin has a hard hardening, heart hardening effect. And so the more I give myself to it, the harder it becomes to hear God speak. So, so we have this invitation then to actually help one another in obedience to God. The, the New Living Translation that we just, that we're reading says, you must warn each other, verse 13, every day. Uh, the, the original word there is, is a little more complex than that. It's this, come alongside together. Um, so the word encourage is a really good translation for that and, and for good reason. You know, I would say it this way. Your daily encouragement may save a life. Your daily encouragement may save a life. Now, what's the encouragement for to, to, to others? You know, it's a warning against sin and, and the deception that sin leads us into. So practically speaking, like I said, the 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 harder, the, the more I sin, the harder it gets to hear God speak. My, my heart gets hard. My faith diminishes. My trust gets smaller. A person who stops listening to the voice of God is going to tend to fill their lives with, with busyness, sometimes religious busyness, sometimes church activity. We're kind of fill our life, but we're not listening to God. And so, um, that's why we're then called to encourage one another. Um, now, here's the thing. I want you to catch this. Our warning for each other is for the purpose of rescue, not for the purpose of condemnation or judgment. It's for the purpose of rescue. And to help me, I want to illustrate this by... Christy, I want to invite you to the platform here. Help me illustrate this. Okay. As she's coming to the stage uh, this week, Christy and I um, removed some of the steps over here and I had to warn the worship team, don't walk off the front of the stage. There's no steps there. You can't see that. In the, I don't know if you can see that on on YouTube, friends, but there's no steps there. So, Christy, I want you to pretend that you don't know about no steps. And you're just going to walk to the edge of that stage, okay? And I'm going to warn you two ways. So, first, go ahead and walk. Go walk to the thing. Christy, 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 don't don't go there. Watch out. It's dangerous, and if you step over, you're going to fall, and you're going to get hurt. So, please, please come back. Please don't, don't go there, right? That's warning for the purpose of rescue. Uh, go ahead and do that again. Go ahead and walk. Christy, stop, stop. How can you be so dumb? Can't you see anything? You're blind? How can you be so stupid? You just about stepped off that stage. You're going to hurt yourself. It's stupid. How can you be so dumb? Right? That's, I still warned her. Right? I warned her. She didn't, in both cases, she did not fall off the front. But do you see how different that is? How are you feeling right now? Yeah. (laughs) She's not feeling very good. Yeah, you are. That's okay. No, you're a good help. Go one more time. Okay, so the purpose of rescue. Hey, Chrissy, Chrissy, stop, stop, watch out. See that? You're going to fall off. Please come back. Now, she may choose to say, I don't care what you say, and you still go. But I've done my responsibility of warning. And um, I need you to prepare for the next song. So I need you to to not fall off there 
and invite the rest of the worship team to, to join you up here if you guys could. See, in a perfect world, ideally, we, we would ask someone else to hold me accountable. So, you know, maybe Christy in a perfect scenario would have come this morning and said, Hey, I'm, there's a good chance that I'm going to forget there's no steps and I'm going to fall off. Can you hold me accountable? Can you remind me and help me not fall off the front of the stage, the platform, right? That would be a great way to do things, but we are not naturally prone to invite accountability into our lives, especially once we've turned aside to doing our own things. We're just committed to doing our own thing. And that's why scripture invites us. Now, the assumption here is that there's a relationship in place. You don't just, just, you know, if I didn't know her and, and, you know, there's, well, this is kind of a, you can only push an illustration so far, but in, in, in your relationship with other people, when you see them kind of wandering away from God, you've got to have some relationship before you can just speak to them. You just don't go around with strangers and say, you're a horrible sinner. What are you doing? You, you're in relationship, say, Hey, I'm really concerned about you. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching what's happening and I'd love to help. I'm worried for you. I'm worried for your kids or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried for your finances or whatever it is, but there has to be a relationship already in place to be able to do that. So bottom line, you on this point that you could save someone, he says, from the deception of sin and, and all the heartache that accompanies it if we'll encourage daily. People fall away from Christ because they're out of relationship with God and out of relationship with people. They get isolated. They get alone. They have no one to turn to, no one to talk to. No one's encouraging them or rescuing them. They get away from accountability. They're not hearing those uplifting voices in their lives. And so we get to do that. We get to step in and and be that encouragement to people. It's an amazing passage, just this warning that God says, listen, I'm, I want to speak to you, but you got to listen or your heart's going to get hard. And I know you do not want to have a hard heart. I know you want to have a soft heart. As we sing this closing song, it's just really a song of commitment, a song of dedication. Just be asking the Lord, God, is my heart hard? If it is, I just, I, I don't want to be there anymore. I'm going to give it to you. And maybe you say, Lord, is my heart soft? He says, I love your soft heart. Say, God, keep my heart soft. Let me be a good listener. The texture of my heart is up to me. But that obedience is a daily decision. Expires every day. That's the stuff that's on me and the stuff for, for others. Your encouragement could save a life could rescue somebody from falling right off the edge. Wouldn't that be amazing? You get to be a blessing. Let's pray. God, I thank you that um, you've given us this. I thank you that you saw fit to preserve this in your word. And Lord, we just say we want to be encouragers out of love, out of soft hearts. Lord, even when the conversation is tough, even when we don't we don't like it, even when we we wonder why it's that way, we just say, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to encourage others. We're going to, our desires to be obedient every day. To respond when you're, when you're the one rescuing us. And friends, as we're just gathered here this morning, I, I don't know where you're at with Jesus. And, and maybe you've 
just kind of doing your life and you haven't really given this a whole lot of thought, but you're here this morning. I want to tell you this. God loves you. He loves you. He created you so he could have a friendship with you, a relationship with you. And not so you would be religious. He's not interested in your religious activities. He's not impressed by how, how well you behave. He loves you and wants to restore your life. He wants to forgive your sin and make you right with God. Around that We call that being saved. Around here we use a little way to remember this. We call it the ABC. How do I get saved, Brian? Like, how do I get right with God? It's, it's three things. One is I have to admit that I'm a sinner and I need forgiving. And B is to, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sin and that He rose again. And C is to commit your life to follow Jesus. Not, not as your advisor, not as your Facebook friend, but, but as the Lord and leader of your life. Admit, believe, and commit. And if that's you today, it's not difficult. You could pray in your own way a simple prayer, something like this. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe, Jesus, that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sin. And I commit my life to follow you. When you do that, you become a new creation, a new person in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. That's what the Bible teaches. And you think, yeah, but I've, I've got this mess in my life, and I've got this sin, I've got that struggle. Don't worry about that right now. You can't deal with it, obviously, but God can. And that's the invitation to you right now. And if if that's you and you're gonna you're praying a prayer like that this morning, would you let me know after the service? I'd love to talk to you about it and help you with that. Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us and your presence in this place. We give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song.